This archived broadcast of Janet Meffer Today is brought to you by Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare is a nonprofit healthcare sharing ministry that allows you to control and manage your own healthcare and choose any doctor or hospital in the nation. If you're a freedom-loving American looking for contract-free healthcare, call now, 855-585-4237, or go to libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT for more information, libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT. This is Janet Mefford Today. Our confidence is in Christ alone. Are we going to stand with God come what may? If the Word of God says it, I believe it! And that's the way it is. And now, here is Janet Mefford. Welcome, everybody. Great to have you along. I'm going to talk a lot about our friend, Dr. Anthony Fauci, and his boss, Dr. Francis Collins. He of the BioLogos group. He who always talks about what a great Christian he is and loves theistic evolution and gets support from liberals of all stripes across, well, I'd say unfaithful Christendom. Uh, it's just getting worse and worse and worse for Fauci and Collins. And the, the challenge, as always, is when a leftist is caught, you have to really, really fight harder than you would have to if, say, they were Trump. Because you have an entire media culture that is all about making sure you don't get the truth, which is why I'm going to do what I'm going to do today. Now, I want to bring you up to speed just very briefly on some of the latest news concerning the COVID-19 leak from the Wuhan China lab. This was very interesting. There is a report done, actually it was done back in May of last year, so a year ago, by the Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory in California. This was a report, this is a U.S. government national laboratory, and this report concluded that the hypothesis claiming that the virus leaked from the Wuhan lab is plausible and deserves further investigation. Now, what's very interesting about this is the fact that they sat on this report. They sat on this report and it did not get where it needed to go until October, which is an entirely different matter. They sat on the report for five months before they delivered it to the State Department. Gee, why do you think that might have been? So at any rate, Fox reports it's attracting fresh attention in Congress now that President Biden has ordered U.S. intelligence agencies to report to him within 90 days on how the virus emerged. Because this is such a head scratcher. How could this have happened? Biden said that U.S. intelligence was focused on two scenarios, whether the coronavirus came from human contact with an infected animal or from a lab accident. Well, going back to that Medium article written by Nicholas Wade, that top science writer who worked for three decades at the New York Times, he basically looked at all of the evidence, and this is not a conservative, and said the only scenario that makes any sense whatsoever is that it was leaked from a lab. Now, the second problem with all of this is we know where the funding came from. The funding came from the U.S. government. Dr. Fauci, Dr. Francis Collins were behind it. And we got into all the details on that a couple of weeks ago, but it's just astounding to me. Now, I want to also mention to you another story that came out over the weekend by the Wall Street Journal. And this was a commentary by Dr. Stephen Quay and Richard Muller. Uh, Quay is the founder of Atasa Therapeutics and author of a book called Stay Safe. And uh, Mr. Muller is an emeritus professor of physics at the University of California, Berkeley, and a former senior scientist at the Lawrence Berkeley National Laboratory. The headline on this piece was, The Science Suggests a Wuhan Lab Leak. The COVID-19 pathogen has a genetic footprint that has never been observed in a natural coronavirus. 
And without getting into all the scientific details on this, they basically nail it down to this sequence that is a double CGG sequence. Look it up. You can read about it if you're that interested. (laughs) I'm not going to waste time getting into the science, like I say. But it points to the fact that this could not have been a natural coronavirus. And they compare it to some of the previous coronaviruses like SARS and MERS. And they said, no, there's no way that this thing was uh, something that was naturally occurring. Now, KT McFarland is former Deputy National Security Advisor. She weighed in just recently on Fox News about this Wall Street Journal report. Here's what she said. Cut six. I'm not surprised. What surprised me is how so many people in the United States, in the media, National Institute of Health, the Democrats in Congress, how they always took China's side. China has covered this up from the very beginning. China had three reasons to cover it up. One, they didn't want the world to know what they were doing in that lab, and particularly because they had a military presence in that lab. Number two, they didn't want the world to think that they were incompetent because how did it get out of the lab? And then number three, and and this is something that nobody's focused on, Liz. If it turns out that it was man-made and it was made in the lab and it didn't come from nature, it didn't come from the wet lab, uh, the, the wet market in China, then guess what? American citizens and people all over the world can sue China if they waive sovereign immunity. So China's in a whole lot of trouble the more and more this comes out. That's why the Chinese are so eager to turn right around and say, oh, oh, we're done with this. We're over. There's no more investigation. Let's move on. Now, something else that's interesting is the New York Times says there's circumstantial evidence that hasn't yet been reviewed by U.S. intelligence. Why aren't we hearing about this? Again, this is KT McFarland, Cut 7. Well, I think that the the Biden administration came in and they thought that anything President Trump did or any of Trump's advisors was wrong. So they were going to turn around on a dime and do just the opposite. So here, Mike Pompeo, Secretary of State, had a very good unit in the State Department that was investigating this, that was coming up with some serious issues, some serious explaining the Chinese had to do, and the Biden administration turns the other ear. You know, it, it, it just continually amazes me, and I think it's national security malpractice. Here is a pandemic that has caused death and destruction, and it has been more more danger to the world and more damage to the world than a world war has been. And yet there seems to be the reluctance on the part of the Biden administration and so many people, you know, whether it's social media or whether it's in Washington, to not want to get to the bottom of this. Well, I don't think most of us are surprised by that because what the left does, it invents scandals to go after Republicans. And then when they actually commit something that is worthy of extreme pushback legally, let's just say it that way, or even congressionally, they cover it up. They say it's no big deal. They get their buddies in the media to cover for them and they change the subject. That's exactly how it works. It's a big propaganda spin. And the fact that they are behaving the way they're behaving indicates they know something's up. Here's something else that's up. And this just came out a couple of days ago. The idea here of the emails exonerating Fauci that were released and and published in BuzzFeed uh, really isn't holding water. Some people are trying to say, oh, yeah, well, Fauci, yeah, he was caught saying in this email that masks don't work. But, you know, he admitted that. Well, right. After he went along with all of the mask mania, you know, what has he been right about during the course of the pandemic? But this is the story from The Federalist that Fauci, we find out from these emails, colluded with Mark Zuckerberg on Facebook COVID-19 Information Hub. 
So this is what they say. Dr. Fauci colluded, colluded with Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg on distributing government approved information on COVID-19 across the social media platform. Going back to the series of March 2020 emails obtained by BuzzFeed News, Zuckerberg invited the infectious disease doctor to partake in the company's newly developed informational program on the COVID-19 pandemic. And it gets into the details of the email. Zuckerberg Zuckerberg stated that as a central part of this hub, I think it would be useful to include a video from you because people trust and want to hear from experts rather than just a bunch of agencies and political leaders. Zuckerberg suggested interviewing Fauci on one of his Facebook Q&A live streams while also noting his continued efforts to spread authoritative information across the social media platform. An additional offer to Fauci is fully redacted, however, and in his response, he praised, Fauci praised Zuckerberg's planned COVID-19 information hub while also expressing his willingness to cooperate with the tech giant. While the nature of Zuckerberg's additional offer to Fauci remains unknown, the redactions in the emails are classified as an exemption under the FOI Act, the Freedom of Information Act, which permits agencies to redact trade secrets, etc. Over the course of the pandemic, Facebook has taken on this increasingly active role in censoring COVID-19 related information. And then they announced that they would be lifting their ban on posts claiming COVID-19 was man-made. And it only came after Biden stated that his intelligence community was examining the origins of the virus. Isn't that convenient? So you couldn't say what is now coming out a year ago or six months ago because Fauci colluded with Zuckerberg. But now that they want to change the subject, they're changing the policy. These people are really low incredibly low. And I think it's absolutely amazing that more people are not furious about this. I'm so mad about this. You should be mad about it too. Look how many people got sick and died and lost their businesses and got shut down and got masked for what? Because we had this Dr. Fauci doing all kinds of things that he hasn't been honest about. We'll dive into that when we come back on Janet Meffer today. Hi, this is Janet Mefford. If you're in need of a new healthcare program, but you missed the open enrollment deadline in December, it's not too late. A special enrollment period is taking place now through August 15th. During this time, you can enroll in the healthcare program of your choice without the need for a qualifying event. This means you can now enroll in a healthcare sharing program from Liberty HealthShare with memberships for individuals, couples, and families. You can find a variety of options to best suit your medical needs. Plus, you really can choose the doctor and hospital of your choice. Best of all, membership options start for as low as $199 a month. More than 200,000 Americans trust Liberty HealthShare for their health care needs. What are you waiting for? Discover more about the power of sharing at libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT today. For more information, call 855-585-4237, 855-585-4237, or libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT, libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT. Fellow Christians are suffering in Africa. This is Janet Mefford. 
Pastor Lumo ministers in Mozambique near the Indian Ocean. He's been beaten and jailed many times, not merely for what he believes, but for how he lives out his faith. You see, Lumo has been quietly and faithfully sharing the gospel with Muslims, and many are coming to Christ. But extremists have assaulted Lumo, his family, and many in his church. But they're not asking for an end to the persecution they face. Instead, they're praying for God's word to endure and persevere as new followers of Christ. I've seen people being changed by reading the scripture. Giving a Bible to somebody is the greatest gift you can give somebody in life. Through the ministry of Bible League International, you can send God's word to a new believer in Africa. $5 sends one Bible. $100 sends 20. Call now, 800-YES-WORD. That's 800-Y-E-S-W-O-R-D. Or there's an Open the Floodgates Bibles for Africa banner to click at JanetMefford.com. You're listening to Janet Mefford today. And now, here's Janet. All right, we're talking about some of these news stories, really confirming more and more that COVID-19 did leak from that Wuhan lab. I hope Ed Stetzer is paying close attention because he made fun of Christians who believed that about six, eight, ten months ago. Oh, those conservative Christians who are always buying into conspiracy theories. Okay, Ed, would you like to comment now? Because the Wall Street Journal is now saying it and even some other outlets that are not necessarily on the conservative bandwagon are admitting, oh yeah, it's looking likely. It's looking pretty likely. But Biden administration has now ordered to the U.S. intelligence community to look further into it. I don't know if I trust these guys. The deep state, really, the deep state's going to be honest. I don't believe it for a minute. I think it's PR. I think it's spin. I think they're doing it to try to get people off their back. It's kind of like, not to go off on a tangent, but it's kind of like the FBI investigating Planned Parenthood's baby body parts trafficking. How's that investigation going? Because that was launched how many years ago now? Oh, the FBI's on it. Believe me. Okay, I'll believe it when I see it. Well, I want to go to a segment that was done over on Fox News by Steve Hilton, host of The Next Revolution, because he was doing some really good work on this issue of what Dr. Fauci has been saying and what the NIH director, Francis Collins, Dr. Francis Collins, Mr. Biologos, have been saying about the origins of COVID-19 and this whole issue of funding gain-of-function research. Now, if you don't remember, uh, this whole issue of -of gain-of-function research was part of Nicholas Wade's Medium article exposing the fact that, hey, the science is showing this thing was leaked out of a COVID-19 lab, uh, was leaked out of a lab in Wuhan, I should say, and that the funding came through Collins and through Fauci. The money went to the EcoHealth Alliance and then it went to the Bat Lady. And it was for gain-of-function research. And then you had Senator Rand Paul getting into it in Congress with Dr. Fauci. And even scientists who listened to his response accused him of lying. Just flat out lying about it. This gain-of-function research, which is intentionally, this is described in the Wall Street Journal, just to bring it down to the lower level here of understanding. Gain-of-function research is intentionally supercharging viruses to increase their lethality. That's what they were doing in that lab. So let's go to some of the evidence here about Francis Collins and about Dr. Fauci and whether or not they've been honest. This is cut two. Over the past few weeks, we've seen Dr. Fauci and his boss, Dr. Collins, lie and lie and lie again over their potential role in the origin of the pandemic. Fauci lied to Congress. The NIH and NIAID categorically has not funded gain-of-function research to be conducted in the Wuhan Institute of Virology. His boss, NIH Director Francis Collins, lied to Martha McCallum. 
I categorically deny that NIH in its grant funding and a subcontract uh, to the Wuhan Institute of Virology was permitted to do anything that would have created a virus that would have been increased in its transmissibility or its virulence for humans. All right. Does anybody believe them? Does anybody take those comments at face value? Probably a lot of people took those comments at face value who haven't done any sort of reading of the data, of the reports that have come out and from, you know, scientists who are in the know about these sorts of things commenting on this. People just don't take the time to read. They don't take the time to investigate or go to the places where the investigations are being done such that they would be actually informed. Now, I appreciate what Steve Hilton is saying here because he's playing some of these important clips. This is another cut from Dr. Francis Collins making a comment which he actually contradicted back in 2011. Listen to cut three. But perhaps the most brazen denial was from Francis Collins a few weeks ago. Let me be very clear. We never approved any grant that would have supported gain-of-function research on dangerous coronaviruses to see if they could be more transmissible or lethal for individuals uh, in the human species. That was not something that we would have done. How could he even say that with a straight face? He's the one who publicly advocated just that. In 2011, in a Washington Post opinion piece, he wrote with Dr. Fauci, quote, important information and insights can come from generating a potentially dangerous virus in the laboratory. Now they say they never would have done that. Yeah, that's a little problematic, isn't it? Saying that we would never have funded gain-of-function research and then you dig up an old article in which he says, oh yeah, you can get some great insight from doing this sort of thing. Incredible. Now, here's the background on the funding. For those of you who have not heard my show talking about all the funding and and the EcoHealth Alliance and Peter Daszak and the rest, here is the background and what Dr. Fauci had to say on video at the National Institutes of Health back in 2012. Listen to this. This is, again, Steve Hilton, cut four. In 2014, the NIAID initiated research project R01AI110964, understanding the risk of bat coronavirus emergence. As part of that project, over $3 million was sent to EcoHealth Alliance, and over a half a million dollars of that was sent to the Wuhan Institute of Virology. The requested work included this paragraph that many of our scientific sources told us was gain-of-function research. In 2017, EcoHealth Alliance's Peter Daszak and the Wuhan lab's Shi Zheng Li published this progress report, which lists the ID R01AI110964 in its funding section. This is the Fauci project. They analyzed bat coronaviruses and sequenced their genetic information. They then built various chimeras, genetically engineered new viruses, man-made in the lab. They infected human cells with them in the lab, and they then showed that their man-made viruses could replicate as a functional virus. NIH officials Dr. Collins and Dr. Fauci now claim that none of that is gain-of-function. Really? Here's Dr. Fauci speaking at a gain-of-function conference in 2012. If you look at basic research as we've approached it, integral to that study has always been the issue of -of gain-of-function research. He describes in detail the specific forms that gain-of-function can take. There are a few ways to look at gain-of-function research. There's the naturally occurring mutations which naturally give gain of function, and investigators study these effects on the phenotypes of interest. 
does this mutation make something more transmissible, more pathogenic, or adapt to host better? Or what historically investigators have done is to actually create gain of function by making mutations, passage adaptation, or other newer genetic techniques such as reverse genetics and genetic reassortment. Okay, now I know that that is a little bit confusing, but he focuses in on that reference there to reverse genetics. So in other words, he's making two different categories explaining when you're doing research on these coronaviruses, you can either study the naturally occurring mutations or you can create gain of function by making adaptations or through this process of reverse genetics. Here's the explanation from Steve Hilton. This is Cut 5. Reverse genetics a technique used by scientists to create gain of function. Fauci's words, we've seen them before. We've seen them in the 2014 Fauci project. We've seen them in the 2017 progress report describing the research carried out by the Wuhan Institute of Virology as part of that project with money from Fauci's NIAID funneled to them through EcoHealth Alliance. We've seen them in the 2015 paper published by Ralph Barrick and Shi Zheng Li that was also funded by the NIAID and EcoHealth Alliance. And yet Fauci said this, let's remind ourselves, to Rand Paul. The NIH and NIAID categorically has not funded gain-of-function research to be conducted in the Wuhan Institute of Virology. There is now no question, none, that that was a lie. Fauci lied to Congress. That is a crime, whether or not you're under oath. Even CNN says so. Hmm, that's going to get awkward. It's a pretty big whopper considering the trail of evidence leading Fauci to make that remark. I guess he's counting on his friends in the media to continue to sew their Fauci dolls and put them up on their shelves and do the Fauci dance and make up songs about him and all of the silliness that goes on in the name of worshiping Dr. Fauci. Hey, just as a reminder, you guys, we're all Americans and whether or not you're on the left or on the right or somewhere in between, a lot of people have been affected by COVID-19. A lot of people have contracted it. A lot of people have been infected with it and got very, very sick. A lot of people have died. And the left has been screaming about the horrors of COVID-19. It's just amazing to me how they can't quite get from their outrage over COVID-19 and link it to the funding that came from their hero, their idol. In some regards, their false god. Will he be held accountable? My position on all of this is that both Dr. Fauci and Dr. Collins need to be thoroughly investigated and fired, by the way. Absolutely fired. And a lot of people have been calling for that, for him to resign. Forget resign. Why would he give up the top post in government and lose the the biggest salary that anybody has paid as a bureaucrat? There's no way he's going to give up his post, especially when the left worships him. He needs to be fired. He needs to be thrown out. Now, whether or not that's going to be possible to do is very questionable because people who work in government are pretty secure. We all know that. But that's what ought to happen. And I am very glad to see more and more Republican lawmakers standing up and saying this all roads lead back to these guys and they need to be held accountable. And it doesn't matter, again, who you like, who you think is the greatest on the coronavirus fight. But all of these leftists now getting out on, on social media and also on regular media and screaming about Trump, it shows you how desperate they are. 
Trump didn't do everything perfectly during the pandemic. I give him a bit of a pass because nobody knew what was going on. You do the best you can in the moment. He never should have trusted Fauci. He never should have trusted Burks. But hindsight is always twenty twenty. He left it to the governors to decide what they would do. That's the right thing to do constitutionally. I don't blame him for that. He shouldn't have trusted Fauci and Burks. That was his big mistake. But I think it's just, again, a way to shift the blame to somebody on the right so they don't have to be held accountable by the American people. Do people on the left really believe that politicians on the left are never guilty of anything? Because if you really believe that, you don't have a politician. You do have a false god, and you need to wake up. You're listening to Janet Mefford today. This archived broadcast of Janet Mefford Today is brought to you by Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare is a nonprofit healthcare sharing ministry that allows you to control and manage your own healthcare and choose any doctor or hospital in the nation. If you're a freedom-loving American looking for contract-free healthcare, call now, 855-585-4237, or go to libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT for more information, libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT. This is Janet Mefford Today. And now, here's your host, Janet Mefford. Welcome back. Hebrews 12 encourages us to throw off every encumbrance and the sin that so easily entangles and run with endurance the race set out for us. Now, we see a number of references in Scripture to the importance of running the race that God has set before us, and more importantly, finishing that race and finishing it well. It's an important consideration no matter where you are in your Christian life, but it becomes even more important to consider when you are older and that much closer to finishing your race. What kind of things should you focus on as you run your race as an older Christian, particularly an older man? We're going to find out today from Robert Wolgamuth, who is founder of the literary agency Wolgamuth and Associates, Inc., and he is former president of Thomas Nelson Publishers. He's also best-selling author of over 20 books, and today we'll be talking about his latest. It is called Gunlap, Staying in the Race with Purpose. Robert, so good to talk to you again. How are you doing? Oh, Janet, it's great to hear your voice. Thanks for calling. Well, thank you. Tell us about the gun lap and what it's all about in the Christian life, because I'm sure there are people who don't even know what a gun lap necessarily is. What is that? Well, I, I bet there are a few, but we're, we're changing that day by day. Yeah, right. A gu- the, the gun lap, so if you're in a race, let's say you're in a two-mile race around a quarter-mile track, when the race starts, the starter raises his hand and fires the starter pistol. Then when the lead runner begins his or her eighth eighth lap, the final lap, then the starter uh, fires the gun again. And that's called the gun lap. So this this idea, actually, the, my, my introduction to the gun lap was, was way back when I was in college and I was helping to officiate a conference track meet when I was at Taylor University. Wow. And, uh, and I tell the story about this young man who knocked 11 seconds, 11 seconds off the two-mile record uh, for the conference. And and that was the first time I had heard of the gun lap, and I, I described what he does in this final lap. It's like incredible. I mean, everybody, opponents as well as his own teammates, were going crazy. Well, I want to run like that. I want to run my last lap like that. So 
this book is really about living. It's not about dying. It, it's it's running well. My my hope, my prayer is this book is a huge encouragement for men my age. In fact, I say I'm writing this book for myself. <laughs> I am I am 73 years old. I don't feel it, but I am. And I have lots of friends who are struggling with this time in their lives. Uh, you know, they're they're no longer employed. Their their physical bodies are doing what a man's physical body is going to start doing <laughs> when he's my age. Mm-hmm. So the whole idea is to come alongside this guy, to write a long, long letter to him called a book, and say, you know what? I believe that there's some great years ahead for you. There's a lot of mileage left on your tires. Don't give up. Don't quit. Keep running. Keep running well. And this book is going to help him do that. Well, that's really important. I think you're right. I think there is something. And maybe it's more prevalent in men than it tends to be in women. I'm not sure. I'm just guessing along those lines from experience. But it would seem, for example, when you tell the story about your own dad and how he seemed to be just kind of frustrated when he was in his later years and feeling kind of useless. Is that a typical thing that you've seen among older men, even older Christian men, just feeling like, well, now I, I'm not doing my full-time job anymore and my kids are grown and, and now what? Is it kind of a common thing that you've seen? Oh, yes, yes. I would say that for men, Janet, it's when you retire from your work. Yeah. Uh, a lot like for women when they become empty nested, it's like they look around and say, okay, so I finished that, now what am I supposed to do? Right. But for men... Uh, in fact, I was on the phone not long ago, just a few weeks ago, after the book was published, with a dear friend. And he's retired, quote, he's retired from his work. And he said to me, I don't see any reason to live. He said, I wake up every morning and wonder why I'm alive. Hmm. Well, this book is for this friend of mine to say, oh, there are lots of wonderful reasons to be alive. And I talk about that like you're going to have a little extra time, more time than you used to have. And, and your phone's not going to ring or buzz or whatever it does. Your calendar's not going to be as full as, as, full as it used to be. So this is, a, this is a gift to you. What are you going to do with this gift? So again, uh, this is a serious thing. You know, uh, I get together occasionally with old college classmates. And, you know, when we turn 50, they, they passed out gifts over breakfast, funny things. You know, whatever. I won't even talk about it on the air. <laughs> then 60 and same thing. But 70, not so funny. <laughs> Those parties do not exist. We don't pay because it's real. Yeah. We're struggling with our health. We're struggling with our uh, our goals in life and our meaning in life. So the the big idea is that this this is, in fact, I say, you may think you're old to, too old to run fast but you're not too old to run well. That's good. And that's the message of the book. Yeah, that's really good. How has your perspective changed, would you say? I mean, you've had uh, such a long, thriving career, and, and you've done so many different things. And now, as you say, when you get into your 70s, life changes a little bit. But as a Christian, how has your perspective changed? What has changed in you, would you say, uh, from about you know your 30s to your 70s? How have you changed as a Christian in terms of how you look at eternity and how you look Look at your life serving Christ as long as you're here. That's a wonderful question. The Apostle Paul must have felt some of this. He must have been somehow in his gun lap. Second Corinthians four sixteen, maybe a familiar verse to you. Our mm-hmm. bodies are wasting away. Yeah. Boy, is that true? Yeah. But 
our inner selves are being renewed day by day. This is this is a wonderful time to not be quite as infatuated with our outer selves, but be more committed to what's going on in our inner selves. So uh, turning up the volume on my time with the Lord every morning, those kinds of things, uh, witnessing. I mean, this <laughs> this afternoon I had to run my, my car to the dealership, and there's a man who's the service manager. He's helped me uh, many, many times. And I I just stopped by his desk, and I said, how are you, Fred? And he said, uh, "This is these are crazy days. So he told me he unpacked more than I really had thought he was going to say. And then I said, Fred, could I pray for you? Mm-hmm. And he just stopped and looked at me and he said, yes, I would appreciate that. Oh. So back in the day, I was too much probably in a hurry to stop and talk to Fred. But now I have a couple extra minutes. Uh, you know, I, I feel sorry for the Uber driver who picks me up because he's going to get it. I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to enjoy loving him from the back seat or her, and asking how I can pray for them, and then praying before they drop me off. And I didn't used to do that. I used to be way too consumed with my own busyness, my own calendar. These are wonderful years, and I plan to do more of it. Mm, that's so neat. That's And that's important for people who are younger to hear that this is an important ministry that you can have. You know, one of the things you say in the book, Robert, is that at one point in your life, you called yourself spiritually lazy. And I thought that was yeah. very interesting. Now, though, as you just mentioned, you're encouraging men to spend the first moments of every day with the Lord. How do you structure your quiet times, if in fact they are structured, they may not be, but your times of prayer with the Lord and I your do. Bible reading? How do you do it? I, I use somebody's plan. I, I did the one-year Bible for uh, 10 years, 15 years. Okay. Went to the Bible every year. Now I've, I've, I've departed from that. There's a McShane plan, Old Testament, New Testament. So I'm enjoying that. But I'll tell you, that hour goes so fast. Yeah. I look at my clock and think, I can't believe that I've been sitting here for a whole hour. The lazy thing dawned on me after I said goodbye to my wife after almost 45 years of marriage. And she was an early morning Bible study, Bible reading, prayer lady. And, you know, I, I kind of consigned that part of our lives to her. Then when she stepped into heaven in 14, 2014, I sat down on her chair, the very chair that she spent decades reading and praying on. And the Lord said to me, now it's your turn. No, no more consigning this to your wife. No, no more letting your wife do this uh, thing every morning. Now it's your turn. And that was that was six and seven years ago. And the Lord has been so good to me. Just maybe ten times in the last seven years, I've had something and I wasn't able to do this. And and I, it's a gift I've I've given myself, Janet. Yeah. I mean, I, again, I was lazy and I regret it. But instead of you know, wallowing in that, I'm saying, all right, I'm this this is a great time to start fresh in my time with the Lord. I love that. We're gonna pause for a quick break. We'll come back with Robert Wolgamuth. His book is called Gunlap, Staying in the Race with Purpose. Stay with us on Janet Meffer today. We'll be back. When Julia ended a bad relationship, she found out she was pregnant. After the father told her to get an abortion, this mom was confused and didn't know what to do or who to talk to. I just knew that if I got an abortion, a part of me would be broken. 
Julia was referred to a preborn center where she was counseled and supported with the strength that she needed to choose life. I couldn't imagine my life without him. Because of them, he's here. We're going to get through it and it's going to be okay. Preborn centers provide hope, love, free ultrasounds, and the gospel of Jesus Christ to moms like Julia. Preborn truly is the alternative to Planned Parenthood. Will you join Preborn in helping love and support young moms in crisis? For $140, you can sponsor five ultrasounds and help rescue five babies' lives. To donate, call now, 855-402-BABY, 855-402-2229, 855-402-2229, or there's a Preborn banner to click at JanetMefford.com. Hi, this is Janet Mefford. Did you miss the deadline to sign up for a healthcare program at the end of 2020? If so, I have good news. A special enrollment period is taking place now through August 15th, meaning that if you're looking to enroll in a new healthcare program for 2021, you can do so without the need for a qualifying event. More than 200,000 Americans trust Liberty HealthShare for their healthcare needs. Liberty HealthShare is a nonprofit healthcare sharing ministry that offers affordable healthcare sharing programs starting as low as $199 per month. Liberty HealthShare gives you the ability to choose any doctor or hospital across the nation. Memberships are for individuals, couples, and families offering a variety of options to best suit your medical needs. Discover more about the power of sharing at libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT today. For more information, call 855-585-4237, 855-585-4237, or libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT. You're listening to Janet Mefford today. And now, here's Janet. Welcome back. Well, if you are in your later years, and especially if you're a man, you're going to want to hear what my guest has to say. Robert Wolgamuth is joining us, and he's out with a great book called Gun Lap, Staying in the Race with Purpose, and giving some real solid wisdom, in my opinion, about how to finish your race well, even if you are feeling, well, I'm retired, and what use am I now? There's a lot of good that you can be doing as a Christian your entire life, and I think the encouragement is well-received here. You know, one of the things, Robert, that you talk about, going back a little bit to this issue that we touched on before, is this feeling that many have, uh, especially men during their later years, of feeling kind of useless, but also feeling kind of lost. Do you address that too? I mean, even with things like technology, you said you lost your oh, you lost your whole book on your computer. I was like, oh man, that's that's got to be so hard. But what do you say to men who just feel like, I, I don't even know what Netflix is. I mean, what am I, what am I doing here? Don't be afraid to ask for help. That that chapter is called Left Behind. Yeah, right. <laughs> it, it brings a whole new meaning <laughs> to old, my old buddy Jerry Jenkins' books. Yeah, right. Uh, but I tell you, computer trouble is like car trouble. I mean, you're, you're off on the shoulder of a highway, and you don't know what to do. Computer trouble for a guy my age is a problem. So I think there's some pride involved in getting older and not wanting to ask for help. Because in in truth, an eight-year-old can help me. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Am I willing to stoop and say to an eight or an 11-year-old, hey, could could you take a look at this and tell me what I'm doing wrong? So I do have some folks in reserve. Yes, I didn't lose my whole manuscript. I lost about 25,000 words, about a third of it. Ouch. But yeah, it was. It was incredible. But you know what? The next day I said, all right, I'm going to start all over again. And I think the the next 25,000 words was even better than the, than the stuff I lost. <laughs> That's great. So, you know, you, you decide to be discouraged. Yeah, you, you 
it's inev- it's inevitable. Stuff happens. But you say, you know what, Lord, I'm I'm going to give this to you. I'm going to trust you to write my story, and and let's take a deep breath, get up tomorrow morning, and start all over again. So, but that was because of technology and my lack of understanding of it, and some and and a young man messed it up for me. So, what am I going to do? Am I going to grouse and complain and quit? Yeah. I was tempted to. I felt like it, but I decided not to. And you yeah. know. Forgive me for being, uh, to, for stepping into a marketing space, but I think men my age are the hardest critters on the face of the earth to buy something for. Mm. You know, yep. women. I mean, you you know, candy maybe, flowers for sure, a dinner, whatever. And I I think that there are so many people whose dads are in their sixties or seventies, and it's Father's Day or a birthday, and they're going. <laughs> What in the world am I going to get for dad? And I just think this is going to be a gift that that encourages him like crazy. And that would be an answer to prayer for yeah. me. Oh, man, I'm glad you said that because I have both a husband and a dad who always say, I don't need anything. I don't need anything. Yeah. I, don't, I have everything I need. <laughs> well, right. yeah, I know. That's right. That's right. It's going to go to the Salvation Army right. shortly. So don't give me anything. <laughs> That's not consumable. Yes, that's it. Yes, you've met you. You probably have met my dad because that's what I always get from him: uh, consumables, things I don't have to store. That's it. I love your dad. <laughs> I love your dad. That's so funny. Yeah, it's true. Uh, you know, I also appreciate, and I think this is a great part of your book. The whole thing is great. But when you talk about Titus two and the Bible's admonition about older men, and here's Paul talking about older men are to be temperate and dignified and self controlled and sound in faith, love, and perseverance. There's a passage right there that confirms just because you're older doesn't mean the Lord is done with you. What kinds of encouragement would you give to older men in that regard? The Apostle Paul said it, you, and you just quoted those things. You know, I think most men like assignments. Yes. Um, you know, give, give me news I can use. Uh, give me the shortcut version of an instruction manual. Don't, don't give me the big, thick guy. But give me, give me stuff I can do. And the Apostle Paul nails it. And so I have some fun in Titus 2, saying, well, here's some really stuff you can do. This is news you can use. And and so I'm very specific. I don't go on and on, but I'm very specific about how a man can walk the walk by doing these things day after day. Well, it's important. And, and it kind of gives you a goal. It's kind of a new goal, isn't it? I mean, it should be a goal. Is exactly. Right. I mean, you're a Christian your whole life. Uh, hopefully, I mean, at, at least in your case, for, for most of your life. And you say, well, this scripture applies to me. And of course, I have to have the fruits of the Spirit. But it also can be a goal. I need to be pursuing holiness in these areas. That's something that never goes out of date, according to age. What about Titus 2 as a goal for older men to look at these things that they are to pursue as Christians? It's exactly what the Apostle Paul says. He, he addresses us. He puts our name, almost, on this text, and uh, he gives you news you can use. <laughs> I mean, I love this, because he's very, as you said, he's very specific about how I should be living my life. And I, I mean, I love it. And, and I, I spent a little time with each one of these wonderful um, identifiers, these challenges, these goals. Uh, you know, I, I love a goal. I mean, give me give me something I can do. Uh, maybe maybe it's a sh- like a short term goal. I can do that, and I and I'm inspired by that. I'm motivated by that. So in Titus chapter two, the Apostle Paul is very specific about what I can do. 
about being temperate, worthy of respect, self-control, sound in faith, in love, and endurance. It's There it is. And so I unpack every one of those words and take on a guy my age, we've got a cup of coffee between us and we're in a cafe somewhere, <laughs> and I'm saying, these are things you can do. You're You're not done. You're not finished yet. You're still running your last lap. I love that. I love that. Is it something else you talk about, Robert, is your wife's role in your gun lap. And, of course, you're married to Nancy DeMoss, Wolgamuth, and everybody knows her from Revive Our Hearts, and she's a very special lady. But for any Christian man who's in his older years, who has someone at home who loves him, and maybe she's doing her own thing, but how do you find that dynamic to change during your gun lap, if at all? And, and what kind of role does Nancy have in your gun lap? Well, I'm not going to go into the kind of detail that I go in 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 the book because this is like man to man, right? Yep. yep. But when you get older, certain things change, and your marriage, your intimate life changes. Uh, I was on the phone with a very close friend interviewing him for this book, and he had a, a stellar business career. And so I'm talking about that, and he had been released from his work because he was getting old, right? So we had a great – then he said – don't forget to talk about marriage. And I said, whoa, I hadn't even really planned to spend much time on that. But I'll tell you what, that is, that's my favorite chapter in the book because there is still time to love your wife well. In fact, one of the men I interviewed went to a, a marriage retreat for his, week, his church. And so at one point, the leader said, okay, turn to your wife, hold her hand, and tell her you love her. So he did that. And then his wife looked at him and she said, I don't love you. Oh, yikes. That's right. That's exactly what happened. And so he was a, not an older man, but certainly midlife, and it changed his life. Now, some guys would say, you know what? I quit. I'm out of here. I don't need this. This friend got together with an older friend, kind of a Titus II mentoring relationship, and said, I'm going to fix this. I'm, I'm going to relearn to love my wife well. And he did. He, he said to me, I thought maybe my... My marriage was on a scale of one to 10, maybe at an eight. <laughs> but from my wife's perspective, it was zero. It was nothing. So this, this relationship you have with your wife right now at your age is incredibly important. Yes, it's likely that you'll die first, which means your precious wife is going to take good care of you during these years. But these are great times to take extra time. Go for a walk. You used to be too busy for that. Yep. Go for a walk. Hold her hand. Don't go anywhere without holding your hand. Tell her you love her multiple times a day. God made text messages, right? <laughs> because it gives me five seconds to tell Nancy I love her, and I do it five times a day, nice. maybe ten times a day. Nice. It just and, and she loves it. It stocks her pond. It feeds her soul. And I love being able to do that. Yeah. Well, and that, that is a, a great thing because you have a partner there and someone who loves you who is also walking that road with you. I mean, it makes it that much more sweet to say, I'm, I'm running this race as a Christian and the Lord is with me, but I also have someone by my side who loves me here on this earth who's going who's gonna to continue to pursue Christ as I do. And I think that that's so encouraging. There are lots of things in this book that I think are encouraging, Robert. The name of the book, is Gun Lap, Staying in the Race with Purpose by my guest, Robert Wolgamuth. And always enjoy talking to you, Robert. And thank you so much, not only for the book, but for being with us. I really appreciate you being here. Thank you, Janet. God bless you, friend. God bless you too. Thanks again. 
And thank you for being with us here on Janet Mefford today. It's always a privilege to have you aboard and hope you'll join us again on the next broadcast. God bless.